You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Hezekiah prayed. That's why all this is happening, because God heard a a righteous man's prayer. He, He heard this prayer of Hezekiah, and he's acting on his behalf because he prayed. Oh, saint, we need to glean from this why God is doing this. He's doing it to save Jerusalem for his name's sake and for his child David. But he's also doing this because Hezekiah prayed. He's drawing a line here, drawing a line in the sand. God doesn't bend to our will. He heard Hezekiah pray for protection for Jerusalem, and he saw that his heart was in line with his own heart. As Pastor Dave will explain in today's message, prayer isn't meant to change God's mind, but to align our hearts with what he wants to do in our world. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 19, as he continues his message, Because Hezekiah Prayed. I'm saved because I believe in Jesus as my Savior. And because I'm saved, I surrendered my life to Him. And He is my Lord. That I might obey Him and do whatever He has asked me to do. And again, when I do these things that He's asked me to do, I don't look for the blessing. I just look for the joy of serving Him. Because I can't believe He's wanting me to serve Him. He's allowing me to serve Him. That I might be a serving and pleasing to Him? Wow. I love him because he first loved me and he demonstrated that love by dying on a cross. I love what Guzik said about this verse. He said, we should ask how many blessings, how many victories, how many souls saved for Jesus' glory lie unclaimed in heaven until the Lord can say, because you have prayed for me or to me. Hezekiah went to the Lord in faith and he asked in faith and God answered. And before we move on, one more thing. I want to go to is I want to go to James 4 where he says I'm going to read a couple verses here where do wars and fights come from among you do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members you lust and do not have you murder and covet and cannot obtain you fight and war yet you do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures Hezekiah went to the Lord and asked from his heart. He petitioned the Lord out of faith, believing that the Lord could do something. He asked rightly that, Lord, you're the God of the universe. You're the king. You're the one that we serve. You're the one for your sake. Look at the words. You, O God, incline your ear, O Lord. Here, open your eyes. Look what's happening to us, Lord. You see it. Can we say, Lord, you created everything. You allowed everything to be created. And you see this. Lord, help us in our time of need. Help us, O Lord. Help us to know what to do, how to act, what to do. Hezekiah knew that. Hezekiah knew that. He knew that he could go to the Lord and he could petition the Lord. And then the Lord answered him. How marvelous is that? How marvelous is that? And I know, I know for a fact 
You've asked the Lord for certain things and he's answered you. Give him glory and praise. Give him all that's due his name. So as we come to verse 21, the Lord now is going to show Hezekiah and he's going to speak to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah concerning the situation that Hezekiah had put in front of him. Let's look at verse 21. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. Him is Shennacherib. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, left you to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem has shaken her head behind your back. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, has despised you, left you to scorn. And the Assyrians have come to ravish the daughter of Zion, which is the city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem becomes the daughter of Zion, and God says, no, you're not going to touch my daughter. Jerusalem is called a virgin because she was unpolluted. They didn't have the gross thing of idolatry. We're pagans. And God was going to defend her from the intended Sennacherib and the Assyrians who would come in. And as most of the things that they did, they went in and they abused the women. Israel had never been invaded or conquered since the days of David. God wouldn't allow that to happen. It was his precious city, his love. Let's look at verses 22 through 28 as God's word to the king of Assyria now and his representatives. This is he speaking now to them. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted up your eyes on high? Against the Holy One of Israel? By your messengers you have reproached the Lord and said, By the multitude of my chariots I have come up to the height of the mountains, to the limits of Lebanon. I will cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypress trees, and I will enter the extremity of its borders." To its fruitful forest, I have dug and drunk strange water, and with the soles of my feet I have dried up all the brooks of defense. Did you not hear long ago how I made it from ancient times that I formed it? Now I have brought it to pass that you should be from crushing fortified cities to heaps of ruins." Therefore, their inhabitants had little power. They were dismayed and confounded, and they were as grass of the field and green herb, as the grass of the house types and the grain blighted before its growth. But I know your dwelling place, your going out and coming in, and your rage against me, because your rage against me and your torment have come up to my ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose, my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back by which you came. Oh, get them, Lord. In a nutshell, (laughs) the Lord was saying to Hezekiah, don't worry about it. (laughs) I have it under control. Shennacherib is not to be feared. And you know what? In fact, he's worthy of my scorn. I like that. (laughs) The Lord now is speaking through Isaiah, and he simply says to the Rabshika, do you know whom you're dealing with? Rabshika obviously didn't know. There was a comedian once, and I, and I remember listening to him, and he had this skit where he would say something like, who do you think you are? Do you know who I am? Who do you think you're talking to? 
Do you know who I am? What makes you think? You know, he went on and on and on. And that's what's happened to here. The Lord is saying to, Shinek, to, to Rabshika, who do you think you are? Don't you know who I am? You're not just talking to some wooden idol. You're not just talking to some fabricated thing by man. You're talking to the creator of the universe. You're talking to the God of all creation. Don't you know that? You've reproached me. You've blasphemed my name. You've come against my children, my chosen ones. And you think I'm going to stand still and allow you to do this? Many believe that this prophecy never reached the ears of the Rabshikah because Isaiah didn't exactly have free access to him. But before he comes to his terrible end, I believe that God found a way for this prophecy to get to him. Or maybe he gave him a special message in hell. At least this prophecy would have hugely encouraged Hezekiah and all of Judah, even if this guy never heard it. Can you imagine how good they felt? You know, sometimes God speaks to the enemy more for the sake of his people than for the sake of the enemy himself. We need to be encouraged when we hear God say things like this. When we hear things like God is for us and not against us, that should encourage us. That should make us excited because God is with us all. He is able. We sang that today. He is with us. By the multitude of my chariots, I have come up to the height of the mountains. And the Lord says, hey, you have a lot of great pie. You're telling me about all your conquests. You're telling me about all the people that you've taken place. But guess what? You've never come against me. Now you're coming against me. And I got news for you, pal. I'm in charge. He was trying to humble the Assyrians because they thought they were a mighty power. And what was he going to do to them? He says, with the soles of my feet. Shennacherib had boasted and said, hey, when we walked through the Jordan, we dried up rivers because we had so many people tramping down the rivers. That's what he means by the soles of his feet. But God says, I know your dwelling place. <laughs> In other words, didn't you ever say to somebody, hey, I know where you live. <laughs> I know your dwelling place. I know where you live. I know you're going out and you're coming in. I know everything about you, pal. The Assyrians went way too far in blaspheming God. They blasphemed the one who had made them success, and that's what God was saying. Listen, if it hadn't been for me, you'd have never conquered those cities. You'd have never conquered all those things. And I'm going to put a hook in your nose. Now, why did God say that? I'm going to put a hook in your nose. Because history tells us that when the Assyrians captured people, they put a hook in their nose, and that's how they let them around. So God was saying, hey, pal, I'm going to do the same thing to you that you've done to these other people. I'm going to put a hook in your nose. And I'm going to pull you around. I'll turn you where I want you to go. I'll take you back to where you came from. This is a dramatic statement. Can you imagine the fear in the Assyrians when they heard this? Wait a minute. It's going to put a hook in our nose? We're the ones who put hooks in other people's noses. No. I'm going to do the same thing to you. Isn't it interesting how God always comes around and you feel, see the person receiving the same thing that they've done to others? Be careful how you judge, lest you be judged by the same thing. Got to be careful. So God is saying, you don't know who you're dealing with. You guys may be negotiators. You guys may be really big in your own country, but you haven't seen me at work. I'm surprised that he didn't ask him, to, he didn't tell him to go check out the prophets of Baal. Check out to see their, their burnt robes, how they were burnt up. Let's look at 29 through 31. This shall be a sign to you. Now, so now here comes the sign. You shall eat this year such as grows of itself. 
And in the second year, what springs from the same, also the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant. And those who escape from Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You're going to prosper. Judah will prosper forever. They're going to be wounded, but they're going to prosper. You shall eat this year as much as you grow itself. And as they invaded and the threat was lifted, there was sufficient growth and things started to come about. It's proven in history. You can look in the history book and this has all been proven. I love the fact that it did. From out of Jerusalem, there's going to be a come a remnant. You know, God always has a remnant there. He always has a group there, the remnant. As much as the Syrians wanted to crush Jerusalem and Judah, they couldn't because God was going to preserve his remnant as he always does. He was going to preserve them. God is going to preserve Judah for now. He's going to take care of them for now. Why? Because Hezekiah prayed. That's why all this is happening. Because God heard a, a righteous man's prayer. He, he heard this prayer of Hezekiah and he's acting on his behalf because he prayed. Oh, saint, we need to glean from this. Why God is doing this. He's doing it to save Jerusalem for, this, for his name's sake and for his child David. But he's also doing this because Hezekiah prayed. He's drawing a line here. Drawing a line in the sand. Look at 32, 34. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor even shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it. For my own name, for my own sake, and for my servant David's sake. There you go. There you go. God, wouldn't you love to have words like that said to us? I'm going to take you. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to save you. Wow. This military machine of the Assyrians was ready to strike. And they were a viable military machine. They had never lost a battle. Remember, we said that last week. They had never lost a fight. And they were ready to pounce on Jerusalem and take all the people captive. They might siege them and slowly starve them. And Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem were living in this shadow of this threat. And then God promises that he's not going to touch you. I not only have your back, I got your side and your front too. I'm surrounding you. You're, nothing's going to take place. Not even one arrow will come into the city. Talk about excitement. Talk about encouragement. Wow. I'm going to defend Jerusalem. God's words, I am going to defend Jerusalem. God defends his own glory. Often, we think it's necessary to defend the glory of God. We think it's necessary to defend him, but he is better defending it than we are. He says, I'm going to do it for my servant David's sake. David had been dead almost 300 years, but God still honored his promise that he made in 2 Samuel 7. God defended Jerusalem not for the city's sake. Jerusalem deserved judgment. Remember way back in chapter 17, they had already started down the path of idolatry. But God defended the city for his name's sake and for his servant David's sake. 
In the same way, God the Father defends and blesses us, not for our sake, because we deserve judgment. But he does it for his own sake and because of his son, Jesus Christ. We're defended and we're kept. In verse 35, we see that God defends Israel. And it came to pass on a certain night the, at the, that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were corpses all dead. Wow. We're never given the name of this angel, but that's one bad dude. That is one bad dude. To come in during one night and take out an entire army of 185,000? Whoa. This is, goes beyond the expectation of faith. It goes beyond even what we can imagine or think. God is ex- able to do exceedingly abundantly. This is exceeding everything that I could ever think of. And that's why I believe God could pick up this coronavirus and he could toss it and into the middle of the sea. If God is, God is able to do anything, nothing's impossible for him. Whew. Wow. They didn't even get a chance to shoot one arrow into the city, just as Isaiah said. Not even one arrow. The unstoppable army was stopped dead in their tracks. The undefeated army was defeated by God was defeated by God. Many believe that this is what the prophet Hosea was prophesying in Hosea 1, verse 7. Hosea 1, verse 7, it says, Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah, will save them by their Lord, their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword or battle, by horses or horsemen. He didn't use any weapons. He didn't use anything. We don't know what he used, but they were all dead, all 185,000 men. We can't imagine that. We can't fathom that. We can't fathom how that happened for him to kill all those people. Was it difficult for God? But one of the commentators I said, he said, it's far harder for the Lord to get the hearts and the minds of the people in the right place. Once he had Hezekiah's heart and mind in the perfect place that he was going to defend Jerusalem, and Hezekiah could get the people all in one accord thinking that way, it was nothing for him to look at one of the angels and go, sick him. One angel. Let's finish out the chapter. So Shennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home and remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the temple of Nishrach, his god, that his son, Aramalek and Sherhazer, struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Esharhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. So... So, the king goes back exactly how God had predicted through Isaiah. He leaves, still full of pride. He goes back. He goes back and is killed by his sons 
crazy. And I love the fact that it says, and it came to pass. Between 2 Kings 19.36 and 2 Kings 19.37, they believe 20 years had passed. Perhaps Shennacherib thought he had escaped the judgment of God, but he had not. He met the bitter end of death by the sword of his sons. Guzik writes of an old Jewish legend, because nothing more than a legend that says how it was when Shennacherib's sons came to kill him. Shennacherib was troubled at how God seemed to bless the Jews so much and tried to find out why. Someone told him it was because of Abraham and loved God so much that he was willing to sacrifice his son unto the Lord. Shennacherib thought that it would be even more favored by God. He decided to kill his two sons in sacrifice to the Lord, becoming even more blessed than Abraham and his descendants. But the story goes that his sons learned of the plan and they killed him before he could kill them, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord. Tradition, conjecture, it's not scripture. We know that he died. Why? This whole chapter, why? Because Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah prayed. So, saint, brother and sister, friends, have you been praying? Have you been on your knees before the Lord spreading out your wishes, spreading out your hurts, your pains, spreading out the things before him? Have you been casting your cares on him because he cares for you? Have you been lifting up each other and others and yourself and your family in prayer that God might protect you from this virus, that God might protect the land? Are you ceasing from those wicked ways that have been sneaking into your life? Have you been turning from your wicked path? Are you continually seeking the Lord and his righteousness? Are you continually looking to him for the answers in the midst of this time? I hope so. I pray you are. God will hear your prayers. God will hear your prayers based on him and not you. God will hear your prayers because he's a God who hears. He's a God who sees and he's a God who knows. He's a God who wants to bless you. Not because of your righteousness, but because of his righteousness. Not because of your good works, but because of the good work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God wants to bless you. If you come to him like that, if you come boldly into that throne room of grace, humbly seeking mercy, seeking that grace, seeking him, he will give you that in time of need and be your help and guide. And as you know, on Wednesday nights after our study, we go to prayer. And it's a perfect time for you to gather right where you are and pray to our loving and gracious Savior. Pray to our loving and wonderful God through the Spirit. And he might help us now in this time of need that he might go before us, that he might do things that we can't do, that he might defend us, his children, his loves, that he might defend us for his name's sake and for the name and sake of Jesus Christ, his son, who died for us on a cross. Amen, my brothers and sisters. You are assured. Our time with you today has come to an end on a sure hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 2 Kings. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. 
If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We gather each week for a time of worship and Bible study. Our service times are Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more details. If you prefer email, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 2 Kings. We're looking forward to the next edition as Pastor Dave will share more from this Old Testament book about the rise and fall of many kings. There are lessons to be learned about leaders who were just people. May what you hear give you a sure hope.